4: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
2: Help! I Suck at Dating! With Dean Ungler and Jared Haven, an iHeartRadio podcast.
0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome to an all-new episode of Help! I Suck at Dating. And believe it or not, Jared is finally back with us. About time. It's about time. We missed your presence here, buddy. How the heck are you? You
2: know, climbing Everest was fun. Uh, I yeah. went uh, bungee jumping, skydiving. I backpacked <sighs> through Pakistan. Uh, I, You know, I'm quite the adventurous soul. And so it was good. But, you know what my, my adventure is? Uh, Ashley and I went to Hobby Lobby the other day, and I'm not going to lie. I felt oh. it was the most I felt alive in a long time. <laughs> Tell me what you get. Well, it was 50% off fall things, so that's uh, why we went. Yep, trying to decorate uh, both the house and Audrey's. So it was, uh, it was pretty extravagant, man. We were in there for a couple, uh, I'd say almost an hour. It's a pretty long time for Hobby mm. Lobby. I, I, it was fun. So we went there, and then we wanted to go to Halloween store, Spirit, Spirit Halloween. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, Dawson, Dawson started uh, losing his shit a little bit. So uh, we just had to go to Home Depot and then go home. We went to Home Depot and Hobby Lobby. It was a big day.
0: That is a big day. You guys are pretty big on the whole autumn aesthetic, I feel like, right?
2: Oh, we're basic bitches, my friend. Oh, give me all the yeah. pumpkin, uh, cider, apple. Just give it to me all. Uh, just yeah. pumping in, just pumping into my veins, please, for the love of God. Well, that,
0: that's exciting, man. I'm happy for you. Uh, and bigger news for you, too. The Buccaneers won last night. Your favorite team. Hell yes. Um. The Patriots, I can't remember. Did they win or did they lose? They
2: lost. Did They suck. It's pathetic. I'm yeah. so ready to move on from Bill Belichick. I've been ready for a while. Oh, got- I've been mad at him for the whole Brady situation. So,
0: <clears throat> I mean, I've got Mac Jones on my fantasy team, so I want him to at least do good, but he's got a broken <sighs> back now, apparently, which kind of is yeah, not the best. not good. Uh, but let's talk uh, about
2: you, Deanie Babies. Oh, yeah. Well, sure. you're the one who's been gone for so long. Everybody's so curious what the hell you've been up to because... The crazy thing about what you just did. Everybody knows that you, you went backpacking through Pakistan or at least if they listen to this podcast, then you went to Everest. Uh-huh. You crazy man. Climbed Everest. Climbed Everest as you know <laughs> just another Tuesday in the in the life yeah. of Dean Unglard. But the crazy thing for yeah. me was that you were completely off the grid.
0: Yeah. The, what do you mean like in terms of
2: yeah. I wasn't on the internet? well you also did you have cell service like were you able to look if you fell and broke your leg like you did skiing yeah could you call someone um
0: well uh yes and no i guess when we first started our trek in pakistan uh we got you know you just you got a lot of time to talk and, and we got to talk to the point I'm not a big fan of insurance companies I'll just go out there and say insurance in my opinion just generally is a bit of a scam well yeah um,
2: until yeah, you actually it, are hurt and then it's like uh oh the one time that's therein lies the dilemma of
0: course you 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 don't need it until you do and when you do you wish you have it so Anyways, I was talking to the guys like the trip organizer and he was like, yeah, you know, that's why I make everyone get insurance, travel insurance and make sure I got everyone's got a uh, global rescue, which is like if you ever get stuck in the mountains, global rescue, they can come pick you up in a helicopter, like essentially for free. And I was like, oh, um, yeah, I never got those things because I don't really believe in insurance as just a whole institution. And he was like super pissed at me. Like he was like, listen, like. You don't need it technically, but as like the trip leader, I'm advising you to like, get it. And I think that it's definitely a good idea for you to have. And so I had to uh, get on the satellite phone. We had a satellite phone, so I could like text Kayla in every couple days and just kind of update her and tell her what was going on.
2: Yeah, be like, babe, I'm alive. I'll talk to you in four yeah. days.
0: I'll let you know. <laughs> I mean, literally, exactly. That's exactly how it went. And so I texted Kayla in and I was like, hey, um, they're really upset at me for not having insurance or global rescue. Can you just like go on and sign me up for a couple of those things real quick? So if I did fall and break my leg, um, they would have sent a military helicopter to come pick me up. But uh, I don't know if you saw in my stories, there was actually a, an older gentleman uh, from France who died up there just a couple days ahead of us. And his dead body was on the glacier for like at least four days because they had to divert. I mean, this is this is me just guessing why it was up there for so long because Pakistan obviously had like a lot of flooding and stuff. And so I think that they had to like use a lot of the resources to help the flooding victims and they didn't have like a helicopter to come pick up this climber who had died a couple of days. So he was ahead of us and we had to hike up and through this part of a glacier, like onto this moraine. And we walked right by his dead body. It was pretty, um, it's pretty interesting. It was definitely like the first time I'd ever have to experience that on in the outdoors at least. So kind of a, what was the temperature
2: moment. on this glacier?
0: Uh it varied, obviously. Like at night it would probably get down it warmer than you think. It got down to maybe like ten or fifteen degrees at night, and in the day it probably was up to like thirty five or forty degrees. So not not super cold, but obviously not like super warm either, you know. Well,
2: I'm thinking logistically now about this poor man who died and whether his body was frozen, uh, which I, I think oh, would be a yeah. good thing. I'm not sure. Honestly.
0: Yeah. No, I think the freezing helps. I think it helps preserve some things and makes like the like no rotting would sit in. It was really interesting, actually, because we had known uh, a few days in advance that a guy had died in in front of us. And but he was like miles ahead of us. Like we hadn't gotten up to that point yet. And we were walking along and like we were about to get off the glacier to go towards where our campsite was going to be. And there's this big orange flag in the ground. And so I, we were like, what's this? And so we go up to it and you're like, oh, it's a sleeping bag. Someone just left a sleeping bag here. Maybe it's like a marker for something. And then you realize that there's someone in the sleeping bag and you realize it's then that that's, that's the guy. Yeah. that's him. So it was pretty crazy. It, and, and you, it's funny, cause you ask about what would happen to me if I broke my leg up there and I had an answer for that. And this guy from France had a guide from Pakistan that didn't speak French, so they couldn't communicate with each other. The guide didn't have a satellite phone, so these people had to like hike down to us and then use our satellite phone. And still, even with all that, like you know, obviously the worst case scenario happened where he ended up passing away. So I mean, it's pretty crazy to think that they would let them up there without the proper resources to save themselves if they needed it. And what it happened did he and die from? Um he he was like 51 so he was a little on the older side
2: older 51 that's not old
0: <laughs> i mean <laughs> i mean i agree it, it, older maybe older than the average person that goes up there let's say that at the least he died from as far as we know i can't remember what the actual uh for reference mark is. our
2: producer's 51 so pretty much mark dean's calling you old or older if that makes you feel any better
0: um not necessarily Not i don't know i don't know for he was older than us he was okay. he, if he was in our group he would have been the oldest person in the group i guess I was, maybe that's the best way to i say was it.
2: assuming maybe this gentleman was in his 70s or maybe just older and really pushing himself but holy sh- that's intense man uh,
0: yeah he's got uh maybe it's a is it epoxia i can't remember what it is like a pulmonary edema it's just like because, you know, our average altitude up there and and where he ended up passing away, I want to say it was like 15,000 feet high. And so people just get altitude sickness really bad. And with altitude sickness, um, if you don't descend to like a lower altitude fast enough and you just stay high, you, you obviously are, you put yourself at more risk. But he couldn't get to a lower altitude fast enough to recover. And so he was just stuck at this high altitude for too long. And eventually um i think he just died
2: through that what do you die like what what do you so what causes death when you're so high up
0: um that's a good question let's see uh i think there's like a fluid buildup in either your lungs or your brain um because of the pressure or something like that i'm not really quite the medical expert for it but i'm pretty sure it's like a fluid buildup in your brain uh, or lungs or heart or something that ultimately ends up killing you.
2: Did you tell Kalen uh, yeah, this? Was, every yeah. four days, on one of those four days, you're like, by the way, a gentleman passed away in front of us and, uh, from being too high up. So I'll talk to you in five days when we're uh, about <laughs> another 5,000 feet in the air. Yeah, no, I thought about it because like, I I
0: could send her like five texts every three days. And so I was like asking some of the people we were with, I was like, do you guys think I should tell Kalen about what happened to this French climber while we were up here? And everyone unanimously agreed that it would maybe be best to like wait till after <laughs> to like be able to like talk to her on the phone and, and, and like answer questions and, and be able to def- describe what happened in a little bit more detail. Cause if you just send one text message and you're like, Hey, some guy just died, like it kind of, I think, uh, sets a bad, bad, yeah, precedent yeah for the you need a little bit more, so. more
2: context than that. Yeah. So,
0: so that was uh, an interesting experience. Like I've, I've seen people get hurt in the mountains. I've never obviously seen anyone die in the mountains. Um, and I didn't like I didn't know the guy, so I'm pretty detached from it. I saw his body and stuff, I guess, which is pretty pretty gruesome. But uh, what else? What else? So besides that,
2: well, so you you we were, you backpacked through Pakistan. Yeah. Okay. So what was the purpose of backpacking through Pakistan?
0: I mean, what's the purpose of anything? What's the purpose of having a podcast?
2: Well, with, uh, the purpose of of climbing Mount Everest is because you're climbing the tallest mountain in the world. You're trying to get to the highest uh, peak. So, backpacking through Pakistan, is it just because it's there? Is what (laughs) Hana or Easton said. Yeah, it's there, definitely. You're trekking through the mountains. But was there some sort of end goal? Was there places that you Mm -hmm. wanted to see?
0: No, that's a good question, actually. Yeah. So, uh, we trekked through this uh, mountain range called the Karakoram. And it's one of the most isolated mountain ranges in the world, I guess. And so. What we did was we went over this thing called uh, the Hispar Law Glacier, which is Hisbar Law is the second largest glacier in the world behind Antarctica. So I guess take Antarctica out of the equation. It's the biggest glacier in the world. And uh, it's just like a really remote, really beautiful area. We were the first team all season to cross it, actually, which is uh, pretty We were pretty proud of ourselves, I guess, for being the first team to cross. There was like maybe 30 other teams that had tried and all failed. Uh, So that was a pretty cool experience. But I guess why, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it was one of those things where uh, it was not much information about, but like a lot of people were excited to do something out there. And uh, the nice thing about it, I guess, is we weren't going super high. Like a lot of the treks that you do in Pakistan will get you up to like 7,000 meters, which obviously could lead to altitude sickness and death and stuff. So I think the highest we got on this one was like 5,200 meters, which is still, you know, like 16,000 feet. It's pretty tall. Um, but it was just one of those things where it was like an interesting trek over a unique landscape uh, and an experience unlike any other, I guess, is kind of how it was all set up or propositioned to us. Um, but it was cool. I mean, I'd never done anything like it before. My biggest hike before this was like 80 kilometers in five days, and this was like 130 kilometers in 13 days. So less per day, but obviously pretty long. And we had like a huge team. There was 10 of us hiking. And then we had like 30 porters, which is insane. Uh, and the porters were doing things like, you know, they brought the food. They would carry like tents and supplies and stuff like
2: that. So it was, you know, it was quite the experience. Oh, so you guys had your own personal assistance over here. This is, really, oh. you guys were like pretty much at the Hilton. Come on yeah, now. I didn't know that it it you had like people a, bringing you food and tents and setting oh. up living for you yeah it was. Uh, this changes everything for me they they would cook
0: us breakfast cook us dinner every night i mean that part was nice like i've never done that either i would normally just be like i want to carry my own stuff and i want to cook my own food but it's like up there you like need support you need as much support as you can have and so there was like port there was (laughs) we had like people bring chickens up like live chickens um that eventually you know turned into our food we had a goat that we brought up with us, uh, like a living goat. It was like our friend for four days. And then on the fourth day they slaughtered the goat and, uh, skinned the goat and then they cooked the goat and we ate goat for the next like three or four or five days. Did the
2: goat have a name? Did your friend have a name? Yeah. I was, I told Kaylin the story.
0: She thought it was pretty funny. I'm going to spare some of the details of this story. Uh, the goat did have a name and one of the, one of the people trekking with us asked me, who my least favorite ex-girlfriend was, <laughs> and, and I gave them a name. I'm not going to say the name. Got it. And, and so for the rest of the trip, everyone called the GOAT by the name of my ex-girlfriend. And obviously, like, every time they would service GOAT, they'd be like, man, Dean's ex-girlfriend,
2: you know, using her name, tastes really good dude this (laughs) poor first of all i I want to ask if i can guess but i feel like i'd get it so i don't even want to go down that road (laughs) secondly uh this poor goat. It it Uh, it's friends with you guys it's hanging out and then you're calling it by this name that nobody wants to hear and then you kill the goat and then eat him yeah
0: well so uh, no one knew why we were calling the goat, why we, why we were calling the goat, what we were calling it. No one knew except for me and the person that named it. And at the very end of the trip, everyone was like talking about getting tattoos for, you know, just to commemorate the trip or whatever. And everyone was like, Oh, let's get the name of the goat tattooed on us. And I, don't think- I was like, Oh no, I can't, I can't do that. Cause I can't get my ex-girlfriend's name tattooed on my body it, as, as much as I love dumb tattoos. I think that's maybe where I draw the line. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. No one knew that we were calling her by uh, her name the, the entire time. And it was a guy. The goat was a guy, too, which was whatever. But, yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting to, like, walk with your food and then end up eating it. it was actually, uh, I had a goat the first day, and it made me kind of sick. And so so uh, uh, someone just mentioned the name in the chat, and, yeah, they nailed it right on the head. Yep. Um <laughs> And uh, I got super sick the first day. So I didn't eat meat for the next like three, two or three weeks. I was vegetarian basically the entire time I was there. And uh, I think that's kind of the way to do it. I actually, I think I want to be veg more often now because it makes me feel light. It's just, uh, it's hard to be a vegetarian in America, especially like everything has meat in it and it's so delicious.
2: Did you feel weak at all? I feel like I I tried to go vegetarian and, and I just felt like I had no fuel in my body
0: uh no i i felt pretty good i don't know what it was i like i mean I tmi moment i guess i was like had hey, really bad diarrhea for a few days so that was taking it out of me but like once my once my poop started to solidify uh after not eating the goat for so long it was uh it turned out pretty good
2: were there porta potties on this trek w- what happened when you had to you know when you had explosive diarrhea like you did
0: yeah you just find a nice rock to sit behind and uh Bring some baby wipes with you it's not the most ideal. They bring a, like a small little tent that you can use if like so for one of the nights we slept on this big uh like out on the glacier so there's like no rocks or no trees or anything to hide behind and so like you kind of have to have like at least like a little bit of um, privacy there so there's like a little two foot by two foot tent. but then so we were stuck in this one campsite for four days because the weather was really really bad. I'm sure you saw the flooding. Uh, that was going on out there and the tent stays in the same place for the entire time and all you're doing is going right on top of the rocks and so by day four you'd go into the tent to do your business and you would see uh, four days worth of 40 people's you know excrement I guess so it gets pretty gross in there Uh, so that's why I think near the end people were just like going and finding a nice rock to go hide behind it got pretty grimy a, a little bit and it was like raining every day, so every night you go to sleep, you're soaking wet. It was freezing cold, so you're like cold and wet. And then you get up in the morning, like hoping for some sun, and then it's like really bad weather. So then you're just cold and wet all day again. Uh, it was, it was, there were some moments there that were like pretty, pretty shitty for sure. Um, but and then, <laughs> sorry, I'm rambling here. Oh, go, I'm and interested. That, and then uh, they like sent out a, they sent out a packing list on WhatsApp like two months before the trip started and I deleted my WhatsApp because I kept getting like these like these people trying to sell me handbags on WhatsApp Sounds and about right. I was like I just I don't want any notifications and so I just deleted it. What's wrong with app. a nice handbag? I just I'm so you're right there's nothing wrong with a nice handbag but just don't message me message Kalen if anything for that stuff. And so I deleted the app entirely. and so I had no like uh, I had no like recourse with anyone from the trip. I had no way of getting in touch. And I had no idea that that's how they were staying in touch was through WhatsApp and sending all these packing lists and stuff. So I just show up with like my regular bag of stuff in terms of hiking supplies because I've never done like a glacial hike before. And we get there and you know we start hiking through like waist deep snow and for like multiple hours a day. And I was like, I'm not prepared for this. I've got the wrong supplies, and so I had to like borrow some guys' hiking boots, which ultimately ended up getting soaked as well. Um, it was just, uh, it was maybe, you know, I like to call myself a minimalist. I think this was maybe the first case where being a minimalist almost, uh, almost shot shot me in the butt as bad as it as bad as it could have. But I don't know. Everything so you show fine, up. For the-
2: you don't have insurance. You don't have the right supplies. This is the most dean thing I've ever heard. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad that you just went there yourself.
0: But you know what? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. People had these. People had these big bags. What you could do is you could have an extra, a second bag, like one that you wouldn't wear, but you like give it to one of the porters to carry. And these poor porters. Oh well, I mean, it's not like they're they're getting compensated for their work. You know, it's not like they're working for free. I'd love to know how much they make. I'm sure it's less than it should be. But if they weren't getting paid well, I think it's still I think it's still above average for like a person from the area would get paid doing something else. Like they're still making better money than the other people in the area. I think I would assume. Um, and so you could give these people a, a second bag with like you know whatever you wanted to have in it, your luxuries, your uh, puffy jackets, your extra socks and all that stuff. And I was like, no, I don't want anyone to carry an extra bag for me. I'm going to carry it all in my bag and. So everyone was like freezing cold on this one campsite for four days while the weather was so bad. And they're like putting on their sixth layer of jackets or their, you know, their super fuzzy socks with their big warm shoes. And I'm just sitting there like literally wearing shorts and a jacket made for like keeping me dry, not for keeping me warm. Uh, and so there was a few moments where I was kind of regretting my decision for not having brought more. But uh, I I... In the moment, it sucked. In hindsight, I'm really proud of myself because those guys all were, like you said, living the dream, four seasons, et cetera. And I was I was miserable. And so I think I get a little bit more badge of an honor for being uh, as miserable as I was, if you will. So I mean, that was it. That was basically Pakistan. It was 13 days, super bad weather. Uh, we were the first team, like I said, to cross over the pass, which was really exciting. And, yeah, it was a a good experience. Pakistan, like itself, is an interesting country because they're super – they're Muslim out there. So there's, like, no booze. They don't really party Uh, in the streets. Like, in this place called Skardu that we went, didn't see a single woman or a single child in the streets for, like, the three days we were there. It's all men. It's just – it's it's quite a culture shock. Like, I thought India was a culture shock, and I think Pakistan is even more of a shock than India was because it's just – even a little bit further removed from our life than we're used to, I guess.
2: Yeah, I agree. So you went on this trip. What do you think? I guess my question is, I understand, of course, why you do these things. There's so many times where I feel like I kind of want to just get away. But, like, so you did this trip. What do you think you got out of it? Mm. You know, what do you... i i i I, like we talked about like i understand certain things like everest you're like i'm gonna climb the the tallest mountain in the world but like you go through these backpacking adventures and you do these things and like and you said that you look back and you're proud of yourself as you well should be because holy it's quite an accomplishment plus you guys are the first one first team to cross the cross the what what pass the pass the threshold yeah first team to do that in the middle of the worst flooding Pakistan has seen in a very long time. So that's quite impressive. Yeah, But so uh, like spiritually, emotionally, what do you think you got out of this?
0: Um, I think with this trip specifically, this trip specifically, I remember it was like day five or something and we were like 60 kilometers in. And I was just thinking to myself, uh, I was like, man, I feel good. I feel like I could keep going. I feel like I could go for, I could... I felt like I could go as long as I possibly needed to. If they were like, hey, turns out we actually have to walk another 500 miles. I would I feel like I would have been like, great, let's do it, because I feel like I can do absolutely anything right now. Uh, I think a lot of these trips and this type of trip specifically is one of those things where once you like look back and see what you've done because like day by day, it doesn't feel like you're doing a whole lot. You're going like maybe ten miles and, and getting like five hundred meters in altitude. Doesn't feel like a whole lot, but then you look back on the culmination of what you had done, and you're like, wow, we just did a whole bunch. And so I think uh, what a trip like this does for someone like me, I guess, is uh, reminds me or shows me, I guess, that I can. I feel like I can kind of just do. <laughs> I can kind of just do anything. I guess maybe that's what it is. I don't know. That sounds like kind of conceited, but there were so many times where I like literally was like, I feel like I can just do anything in the world. I feel like I'm unstoppable. And then even like going to, uh, to ever space camp afterwards too. I like got done with ever space camp and I had just walked, you know, 80 miles over the course of five days. And I was like, I literally texted my brother. I was like, I could feel like I could just turn around and go back up there and do it again if I wanted to. Like, I don't know. I feel like trips like this, it just gives you a bunch of confidence and makes you feel really good about your survivability i guess especially if you have a bunch of porters helping you out and carrying some stuff for you obviously um obviously yeah that part was that part i didn't like very much and i i it was like my second time doing it i also did it on the inca trail but it just doesn't feel as like natural as it should in my opinion you know like If you go out into the woods to go climb something or go truck through something, I feel like you should be responsible for yourself. You shouldn't really like rely on someone else to be responsible for any of your own comforts, creature comforts or whatever. Uh, And the porters kind of take you out of that a little bit. But there was this, we had like one Sherpa with us, a guide. His name was Sue Hale. He was the man. Uh, Crossing a lot of the glacier was really dangerous because there's crevasses everywhere. So like we all had to rope up to each other. So we're all tied together with like five feet of five. What's crevasses? a crevasse is like uh i'm sure you've seen the movie like into the void or something like that a crevasse is like a huge uh like crevice in a glacier yeah a huge gap and that glacier uh in pakistan is up to a mile deep at some points so like imagine you just walk along and you fall into this crevasse that's a mile deep you're obviously going to be gone forever for the most part jesus
2: christ
0: yeah, so we had to tie together and like walk through these like crevasse fields. Every you know ten steps or so, you'd have to navigate a new crevasse, and that would either like entail going around it, jumping over it, whatever it is. Uh, and some people fell, like I fell into a crevasse, uh, but thankfully we were roped together, so like I didn't fall far, and I just had to get pulled out. Never kind of mind. Funny.
2: This was the stupidest thing you've ever done in your entire life. <laughs> kind of, That's yeah. insane.
0: That was, yeah, yeah, that was a first for me too. Uh it was, Hold it on. was so you yeah, pretty cool.
2: fell. Did you look yeah. down? Did you see how can you see how far this goes? Uh, did, you just yeah, seeing?
0: the ones that you could you would like leap over a couple of them and like look down as you leaped and you like would not you wouldn't be able to see the bottom. It was like yeah, you're you look, see- literally <laughs> looking into an empty void.
2: Good. Could you Im- I mean obviously I, I the will- fall would kill you, so you couldn't you wouldn't die, you know, you can't fall a mile and fuck you think you'd die on the way down?
0: You would probably like pinball off everything, like playing Plinko on the way down. I don't know. Into the Void, I'm sure you've heard of the movie at least. I think like this guy gets stuck in a crevasse and there's no way for him to go up. And so the only thing for him to do is go further down. And I think he like found an exit point somewhere, which I think it's based on a real story. And if it is, it's pretty insane because it's like the it's like the ice version of 127 hours, you know, like you're fully committing (laughs) Like, all or nothing, this has to work, otherwise I'm dead, I guess, kind of situation. So you fell, you slipped and fell. You
2: fell into this gap. Well, it's not like,
0: (laughs) uh, yeah, so it's not like you slip and fall, and and it's probably not what you picture. It's not like you're free-hanging in this crevasse, so with, especially with the storm system that rolled in, there was, like, a big fresh coat of snow over all of these big crevasses, and so instead of, like, seeing them and, like, being these huge holes in the ground... You're just like basically walking along, and all of a sudden you fall into the snow. Yeah, the ground gives out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so there's still a lot of snow around you, so you would like fall, and then you'd be like up to your nipples in deep snow, knowing that underneath you is a huge void. Um, but you can still kind of like use the snow around you to like keep yourself above the like I guess like gr- ground line. You know Why what I would mean?
2: you only fall to your nipples? Because that's because you're tied, and that's how low you can go.
0: Yeah. So you like keep tension on the rope. And so you like you fall slow because you like it's like quicksand. And yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, it sounds crazy. And it it definitely was. There was like the first like because everyone fell at some point, I would say there's (coughs) out of the 10 of us, everyone fell probably at least two or three times, some more, some less. Um, But by like the second or third time you fall, you're just like more annoyed at yourself than you are scared for anything because the person above you and the person behind you are far enough away to where the rope is tight. And so, like, I could even just almost, like, pick my feet up and be hanging in the air. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it, it's a pretty safe, all things considered. Um, unless, of course, there was, like, a huge break and then everyone fell. Then that would really suck. Uh,
2: but, <laughs> you guys are like monkeys, the game, you know? You just all go over the cliff. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, monkeys but in a the barrel. big day... De- The
0: monkeys in a barrel, great game. That reminds me of Toy Story. Uh, The big day was—I think I might have already mentioned a little bit about this—but we, the day we went over the pass, was the big day. Uh, It was like twelve hours we were hiking, and we went over this pass, and we like had to get the weather window perfectly right because it was—it was like standing inside of a ping pong ball, essentially. Every direction you looked, you could see ten feet in front of your face, and then it just became like white and gray. um, Because there was so much snow or rain. It was just like really bad, like we were in a cloud, so like the visibility was really bad. Um, And so we like had a small weather window to make it work and so we got over the pass and then the clouds came in and we couldn't see anything for like the next eight hours. We were just like walking. (laughs) And it it was the most like psychologically challenging thing I think I've ever done in my life where you're freezing cold, my feet were soaking wet, every step I took I would get buried in snow up to my waist And I'd have to like pull my foot out and then do that, you know, a million more times. And it was cold and you couldn't see anything. So it's like you don't have any reference on where you're going. You would like stop every five or ten minutes and like look at the GPS or look at your compass or something and figure it out. But there was no like there was no reference for anything. And so you're just like you're pissed and cold and scared and lost. And then eventually like you start going down and like the weather clears a little bit and gets a little bit warmer and like things like start getting better a little bit. But for like five or six hours, it was it felt like all hope was lost. Um, I never like felt scared or unsafe, I guess, in terms of anything like that. But there it was just like psychologically, it was a challenge because normally when you're hiking, you can like step on solid ground and see pretty sights. But this was not the case. So that was kind of the hard day. And then everything kind of got better from there, fortunately. But it was, I mean, it was a great experience despite all of that. Yeah, sounds wonderful.
2: <laughs> yeah. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all. Jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh. Well, every step feels fly.
0: When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts, but not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience.
1: So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection.
2: Offers everything from secluded coves with white sand and crystalline water to beautiful black sand beaches.
1: There's no passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at DiscoverPuertoRico.com.
3: You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. (sighs) Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.
2: So what made you want to do Everest? And that was just by a whim.
0: Uh, it was like kind of by a whim. I had, uh, yeah, so we got done with Pakistan uh, and we made our flights, which is pretty uncommon. We got back to Islamabad when we were supposed to, even though we had to stay at four days at this other camp. And so before we left, I booked like an early, early flight to get me to Dubai because there's no flights from Pakistan to Nepal because Pakistan has a lot of like troubled relations with a lot of their uh, neighboring countries. And so I was like, I'll just fly to Dubai and I'll figure out you know, whatever I'm in the mood to do, I'll just do it. And Everest Base Camp is something I've always kind of wanted to do. I think this time I was going to, uh, pl- I was planning on going to like Laos or Vietnam or something, like renting a motorcycle for a couple weeks and just like traversing the country via motorcycle. But I guess I was just like excited about the trek through Pakistan. So, and like I said, I felt like I was literally on top. I felt like I could do anything. I felt like I could just, I, I could do, I could go anywhere and do anything. I would, I don't know why I was, Hopped up on ibuprofen, I think. So I just had. I was looking at the world through rose-colored glasses, and uh, he was like talking to some guys who had done Everest before Everest base camp, just for clarification, not actually climbing Everest. And they were all talking like, "Oh, you don't have enough time. You won't be able to do it. Oh, it's too far. You shouldn't go alone. Hire a guide." And every time they said something like that, I was like, "Oh, you son of a gun! I'm. I feel like I need to do this just to prove you wrong." So. Every space camp typically is a 12 day trek as well. Mm -hmm. You spend eight eight days going up and you spend four days going down. And I was like, I can do this in five days. I was like looking at the numbers and stuff and I was like, I could just do 13 miles a day on the way up and 20 miles a day on the way down, like easy. I mean, it would suck and it's not, it's a lot of work, but it's not nearly as impossible as people make it seem. Uh, And so I texted Kaylin and I was like, I don't know what to do. What should I do? And she was like, well, you've been talking about Everest Base Camp a lot. So just go out and do that. And I was like, yeah, OK, cool, sold. And then Danielle is my manager, and she <laughs> she was kind of pissed at me. She's like, we've got a lot of brand deals that are going to fall through if you don't get back by September 12th at the, at the latest. And I was like, OK, cool. That kind of like gives me a hard stop. Like I have to do Everest Base Camp in six days or less, because otherwise I'll lose all this money that I desperately need. And so, get to, get to Kathmandu, I feel like I have been, I haven't stopped talking in like an hour, I got to get to Kathmandu in Nepal, uh, and it was like fine weather there, but the weather in Lukla, which is the, the starting point for the trek, uh, the weather in Lukla was really bad, and so they can't fly their airplanes into Lukla airport, because there was zero visibility again, it's like monsoon season there, or like just, just after monsoon season is ending, this is like, now ramping up again for trekking and so I was like oh it sucks I just flew all the way to Nepal and now I can't even fly to, to Everest to do the thing that I'm here to do uh, and then some guy comes up to me at the airport and he's like hey yeah the airplanes don't fly but the helicopters will fly you there and I was oh like oh that's pretty God. sick <laughs> I was like, that's pretty sick so they were like yeah all you need to do is pay 500 bucks to this guy I'll fly you in a helicopter how are you alive <laughs>
2: <It was laughs> how the was,
0: hell are you alive uh, and he was like, We need to have it in cash. And I was like, I don't have it. And so he's like, Cool, follow me. So I leave the airport with this random guy. I get on the back of his motorcycle and he drives me. He drives me to an ATM and I take out $250 in Nepali rupees to pay him to f- put me on his helicopter. Uh and it was actually kind of nice because I was going alone. I could like get one spare so like this group of four was going, and there's five seats in the helicopter. And they are like, Yeah you're the you could just take the extra seat because obviously you're going alone so it kind of helps a little bit so i get to nepal okay, i'm sorry i get to Lukla airport and the weather sucks uh and it drops you off like two miles further down and like 500 meters further down so it just like adds to the trek uh which was kind of shitty and then yeah and then i just figured i don't know i i guess the so i'm trying to explain why i was doing ever space camp I don't know. I <laughs> I mean, I get it. You like challenge said,
2: yourself, right? And you are and you want to. People are telling you you can't do it. Plus, it's something you always want to do. Oh. And it's challenging. I get it. That's why people travel alone. It's a little bit of a, it's, it's like a competitive nature against yourself. You know, can I do this? Can I be by myself? Can I survive? Can I reach this? Can I do this in seven days? Of course, you're always competing with yourself. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Yeah, that was and it was a nice uh, like contrast between the two trips because in Pakistan, obviously I was with a bigger group and I had a blast and I made some great friends, like like some lifelong friends that I'm excited to spend more time with. Uh, You know, we had like a bunch of foreigner, foreign people from like Portugal and Turkey and Australia and Switzerland. Uh, And I love meeting people like that because they're always so unique and they always have so many great stories to share. And then in in Nepal, I was 100 percent by myself. I I think I sure I think you saw the stories. I had this dog that followed me for the first couple days, and we became good friends. Uh, And so, like both of them, I I saw the
2: stories. I just want to confirm you didn't eat the dog, correct? (laughs) No,
0: I did not eat the
2: dog. That thank
0: God. Although he did kind of screw me over in the end, so I wouldn't eat him per se. But uh, wait, how did the dog
2: screw you over?
0: Yeah, so we, he like latched on me at the very beginning of the trek, like literally half, not even half a mile in. And I had never done the trek before, obviously, so I didn't really know where to go. So I was just like kind of following the dog. And there was this one point where I was supposed to turn left, and the dog made me turn right to go to this place called Jukong, And I get there after like 10 miles and spending like a good amount of time. And I find out that's where the dog lives. So the dog was like using me. To like escort him back home, essentially, and I was like feeding the dog the whole time. I was bringing the dog into the room with me and like letting it sleep in bed with me and stuff. I like this dog. The, I mean he's, I mean he's pretty good. You got to give the dog some credit. I respect
2: it. I respect it. He's like, who's my, yeah. who's my bitch? Who's the, who's the yeah. dummy? There he is, oh, right he's, there. He's single. Who's it gonna be? Who's it gonna who's be? Who's it gonna be? There's my bitch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is the water boy kicker for sure. Uh, and the Nepal Trek is very different than the Pakistan one because the ever space camp Trek is like super well developed. There's like little villages you'll pass by every like five or so miles. And so I got up to this village and again, it's off season. So everything's closed. And these guys were like doing construction on one of the, one of the tea houses that you stay in. And I was like ordering a cup of coffee, get on the Wi-Fi cause I was lost and I like needed to download a map. Uh, yeah, there's Wi-Fi up there, which is pretty crazy. And while the map was downloading, it took like 20 or 30 minutes. I was like, oh, I'm just going to go walk around because I haven't seen the dog in 30 minutes. And I walk around and I like see him sitting under uh, like in this shady area under a tree. And I go up to him. I'm like, Everest, what are you doing? Let's go, buddy. Like, let's get the heck out of here. And he, for the first time I'd seen him, he was like so content. He like wasn't excited to see me. He's like, no, I'm just staying right here. And so I started like yelling. I was like, is anyone around here? Like, hello, where's the owner of this building? And this lady walks out, and she was like, what are you you doing? And I was like, is this your dog? And she goes, yeah, I haven't seen him in like a week. Thanks for bringing him home to me. I was so pissed. I was like, this mother, this son of a gun made me walk. It was like maybe 30 miles away from where he was uh, just to get him home. But it was still a good experience. He and I will still be bonded for life. And actually, some of the guys I trekked with in Pakistan want to go back to Nepal in the spring to climb a couple mountains out there. And you have to pass through that town that he brought me to. So I will maybe get to see him again come springtime uh, in Chukong. We'll see. We'll see if that ends up happening. But yeah, it was, uh, Everest Base Camp was, you know, I guess more of an accolade in the sense where like, if I say I went to Pakistan and trekked for two weeks, people are going to be like, okay. But if you say you went to Everest Base Camp, like it's obviously a lot more notable of a place. So, so I guess there's like that to it. Uh, How is Kalen throughout this entire time yeah she's been great she's uh she's my human cheat code i decided to start calling her she uh it makes me feel like i've been going through life with the cheat codes activated she's been great she has been super supportive she would always check in tell me how much she misses me which uh is nice to hear i guess but at the same time it kind of makes you feel guilty you're like oh shoot she misses me i should probably get back to her uh But no, she was great. She was part of the reason I decided to go to Nepal because she, like I said, she knew how much I wanted to do it. And
2: yeah, she's supportive, I guess, which what else could you ask for, right? Ashley won't let me go golfing for four hours. How (laughs) in the hell do you get Kalen to be like, hey, listen, I know you've been gone for 14 days, probably almost died about three, four, five different times on your trek yeah. through pakistan but go to everest enjoy yourself not only that but you not only did you do everest you were also planning on just going to laos and renting a motorcycle to ride around vietnam yeah well for Caitlin the record, she is does a get ex- goddamn saint <laughs> that's what she
0: is she does she does get upset when I play too much golf. Let's just be clear about that. It's a little bit different of a situation, I guess.
2: So you tell me what I have to do is just tell Ashley that I'm <laughs> going backpacking through Pakistan for two weeks Yeah. when it's really just a boys trip and I'm going to be playing 18 holes every day. Yeah, that's exactly
0: right. I think, uh, I don't know, maybe because the precedent was set, like, hey, I'm going to be gone for four weeks. And also, I, you know, she was doing her own thing. She was going to New York with her friends, Palm Springs, their friends, Uh, weddings, et cetera, et cetera. So she was being a little socialite herself. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, obviously it's great to have her support with everything. I don't think I can do this very often. I think it's just kind of like maybe a once a year sort of thing. Uh, But I think one of the things that I most, like I, I remember when we were doing this podcast like three or four years ago, and I remember you asked me the question, like why am I so averse to being in a relationship? And I think one of my answers at the time was, well, I like having the ability to like pick up and go take off for a month and go, you know, either chase my dreams or fulfill a, a lifelong goal of mine. And I feel like if I was in a relationship, I wouldn't be able to do that. And so it's nice to uh, have a partner in my life that allows me to do that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. To be fulfilled in that Not sense. Not many I people would be, man. Not many people would be at all. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah.
0: But at the same time, too, if it were flipped around, if she was like, I gotta go to this place and do this thing i'd be like i i would i mean i would hope i would be i think i would be i would be super supportive of it too i think any partner uh would that would like withhold you from doing something you really want to do is not necessarily the person that you want to be with aside from like yeah like maybe golfing with your buddies for six hours and getting drunk isn't the best thing to be being supported on you know like i can see why Kaylin or ashley would get upset about that but
2: you know sometimes you just need a break okay um, last question before we move on, because uh, man, this flew by. We only have like ten minutes left. Um, mm. because you talked about weddings, and Kaylin yeah. went to Wells and Sarah's, so you missed Wells and Sarah's wedding.
0: Yeah, Wells is pretty bummed at me for that, and I'm obviously super bummed to have missed it as well. It was so annoying. Like, I mean, look, I get it. You you plan your wedding date pretty far in advance, but. Wells didn't send out his invitations until like a month before the wedding and so well and to make it even worse I had to miss Wells's bachelor party because my brother was getting married that weekend so mm-hmm. I you know I, I love my brother I couldn't miss his wedding of course and so I miss Wells's bachelor party he sends the invites to his wedding like a couple weeks later and I was like Wells I literally leave for Pakistan like three days before your wedding what the hell I was trying so hard to get them to reschedule. Obviously, that's never going to happen. Yeah, no, Um, I'm
2: sure Sarah would be totally done rescheduling for you for your (laughs) trek through Pakistan, Dean.
0: I feel so guilty, too. I love Wells, and uh, he, I mean, it's not like he's made me feel guilty about missing the wedding or anything like that, but I still feel really bad about it. And then I was thinking, too, I was like, whatever, they've got like a 600-person guest list. I'm not going to be missed at all. This is fair.
2: You know? All right. Were you guys there? No, no. Wells and well, uh, we're friends with Wells and we've met Sarah a few times. She's very sweet and I'd say we're friends with Sarah too. Um, but we're not super close. Like I don't I never mm. expected an invitation for their wedding, and then, you know, we didn't invite them to our wedding. It's always like they were definitely we thought about it, we were like, Do we invite Wells and Sarah? You know, because then it's just like always awkward because we're like, we really want them. We don't think we want like I'd love to have them there, but it's kinda like it was very similar to like what happened with Vanessa here, where it was like it's like you have only a certain amount of people you can invite and like we're really friends with them. And then also, I guess a few years ago is also different because Ashley had a little thing with Wells. We're so far removed from that now that it's it's like you even forget that that even happened. Um,
0: That's what I was going to ask, because they they're not exes, but they went on a date together, you know?
2: Yeah, I guess that would be more weird for Ashley. But now it's like you just forget it even happened, you know? But yeah. I guess a couple of years ago it was a little different, maybe. I don't know. It's hard putting well, myself that, that, back in that place.
0: That actually makes me uh, think I've thought not a lot about this, but I've had some friends get married recently, too, where uh, they're like my better friends, you know, like not my best friends, but still good friends. And if like, let's say you go to a wedding and you're not a groomsman and then let's say I get married and. I like like maybe so. I maybe I would have someone as a groomsman, but then they get married and I'm not a groomsman in their wedding. Yeah. And then you kinda of feel weird asking them to be a groomsman in your wedding because you
2: weren't a groomsman in their wedding, you know? Yeah. It's always life is just full of awkwardness. That's all it is. Life is friends and life is like your MySpace top eight. It's like you're yeah. constantly just overthinking things and being stressed out for no goddamn reason.
0: It's so stressful. I like I don't I almost don't want to get married just because I don't wanna have to pick any friends to attend or be groomsmen or anything because it terrifies me.
2: Yeah, it's quite terrifying. But then you, you know, in the moment, it's very stressful and then you realize it's really nobody cares. It's And if you do care, then shut up. <laughs> you know, I mean, get over yourself. I kind of
0: care. I kind of care a little bit. No, I guess I don't care. But like when my best friends are also groomsmen, and I'm like looking around and I'm like, dang, I'm the only one that's not a groomsman. What did I do wrong? And then I'm like, oh, wait, yeah, I know what I did wrong. I'm an asshole and I disappear for months at a time and I don't talk to anyone (laughs) and I I don't text anybody back. I'm like, I, I really am such a bad friend. When I'm, like, around them, I'm great, but, uh, like, I just didn't, yeah, like, hard to get a hold of, hard to respond, so I guess I, I get it, I get it, you know? You are, um,
2: We were talking about you at the shop uh, yesterday, or I was, because somebody bought Lucy and Clark, our, our children's book, and yeah. you're one of the dog's names, you know, we had little name tags for every friend's, and there's, you know, Ben and Tanner, and so on and so forth, and um, I was going through it, and I was like, oh, there's Ben, and there's Dean, and then we were talking and they were like, oh, why are they those particular dogs? And I was like, I think if I remember correctly, we all we wanted like a dog associated with like their personality. And you were like a little pug. And I was like, Dean, I'm pretty <laughs> sure is a pug because like he always sh- on the carpet, but he's so adorable and so cute. You're like, oh, oh it's OK, God. Dean.
0: Damn, I'm a pug. I, I Pugs are pretty cute. I'll take a pug. Dude, I pugs guess.
2: are great. <laughs> They're the best. <laughs> Do we even get into hot topics like we have like five <laughs> minutes to go uh, i
0: can't believe i just rambled on for 45 minutes yeah. i feel like uh i'm like sick of hearing myself talk basically
2: uh it was great no i mean dude it was pretty yeah. fascinating and good god uh was, he had dude, dean had some stories no, I can't like <laughs> Yeah, you should listen to the podcast, Ashley. It's coming out. Uh well, let some, oh, yeah, we'll let's let's get through today. some hot topics here pretty quickly. We'll we'll rapid fire these things. Mm-hmm. Um so the first one is Emily Radikowski. Radakowski? Yeah. Emily yeah. Radakowski says she's recently uh she's a recently single person and thinking about dating amid Sebastian Bear mcclards split. Let me just say this. Emily Radikowski. Yeah. Amrata? Emrata. Emrata. Why is yeah. she called Emrata? That's just like her Instagram handle, I think. So that's kind of like Deanie Babies to you. Yeah. Okay. Ye- Recently single person and thinking about dating. Emily, if you could, you could have anybody in the world. You know what I mean? Like yeah. There are certain people in this world that I can't take seriously when they talk about dating. Because, yeah. em- I mean Em. em- Emra. What is her nickname? Emra. Emra. Em- Emrata. 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 I mean you're thinking about dating? Just look at someone. Honestly, if she looked at me, Ashley would probably be like, "You need to you need to date her." Like, <sighs> "You need to do this for me."
3: Wait, I want you guys
2: to discuss the fact she was cheated on. She was che- oh she cheated
0: on? Oh my god. She got cheated on? Uh, I will say it's funny enough, I was just on TikTok and she popped up on my For You page and I was just like going through her videos. She had a baby like a year ago and she's already back in a bikini and looks exactly the same as she did before
2: she had her baby. Well, yeah, you know, she's, she's probably can afford a personal trainer. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. Not to say that it makes it any easier. Trust me, I saw Ashley go through it and, you know, can be really hard to lose that weight. But... That's crazy. So this guy, Sebastian Bear McClard. Who the hell is this? Do we know? I. I... He cheated on her. Whoa. Damn. You hey, jackass. Will you
0: ask Ashley while you have her next to you? She, she's like dating someone new. I think someone like Pete Davidson or
2: something. I think. Is Emily dating somebody? Remrata. Uh, Well, then how about uh, Dean? What about Pete Davidson and, and her? Yeah, that's cool. Let's let's start shipping this right now. Pete Davidson and <laughs> Rada. It was
0: someone it was some noteworthy guy dating her. And I was because I was confused too. I was, oh, it's
2: Brad Pitt. That's who it was. Shut the hell up. You're telling me that Brad Pitt is possibly dating this girl?
0: Yes. Well, that's the that's
2: the rumor, at least. Damn, I think he like, dude, Brad Pitt I think he is like going sl- through a renaissance. I mean, he's always been Brad Pitt. But like, holy sh- this year, it's been like Brad Pitt central. Yeah, I think he
0: like slid into her DMs or something. I have no idea. how. I like I heard this in Pakistan from like a Pakistan porter. He was like, yeah, did you hear about Emrata and Brad Pitt?
2: How the hell did you hear about this in Pakistan?
0: It's global news, man. It's big news. They love Emrata out there.
2: Uh, Unpacking these Emily Radakowski and Brad. I don't know. I can't. Radakowski. Radakowski, Dude. I mean, listen, you're obviously way harder than her Ashley. You're way hotter than her. I'm not my You do look. I mean, there's a similarity. I'm a, I'm not joking there is a similarity. But she is um she's good looking. <laughs> she, she's she's very good looking.
0: She, yeah, she's, she's she's pretty good looking. The blurred lines Robin thick video really set her over the uh over the edge for all, for most men, I think.
2: Dude, um, this is the guy Bear Mc, this guy she didn't this guy sucks. Anyway, so according to the source, Brad Pitt wasted no time after he found out that she possibly split with her husband, that she did split with her husband. He asked her out and she said, yes, she always thought Brad was cute. Duh. Always thought Brad. <laughs> like these fucking people. I always thought Brad Pitt was cute. Yeah, I always thought the sky was blue too. You know, I like, always
0: thought well, I always thought water was wet. I guess you know, like water oh, was wet.
2: Good God! So <laughs> uh, I really need. So apparently, a rep for Brad Pitt has denied all claims of romantic involvement, uh, and there's really no evidence. I where'd this rumor even come from? I've been Googling this whole time. I don't see anything.
0: I agree. Brad Pitt's like the most recognizable person in the world. And Emirata is also pretty, pretty recognizable. So yeah, hundred percent. It's not happening. Maybe it's not the case, but um, Uh, yeah. What's this next one? What's this next one we got? We have an OnlyFans model saying that OnlyFans has ruined her dating life. Once again, Uh, water, wet, water, wet. What do you think about that? Let's say Ashley, man, it's so hard because she's the mother of your child. Let's say Ashley started OnlyFans. How would you feel about that?
2: Well, I mean, I wouldn't want Ashley to start an OnlyFans. It really depends on how much money we were making off this thing. <laughs> but, uh, of course it's Oh yeah, we we came up with a number of what our um porn our, our sex tape would have to be. Uh, I got to know. This is this took the best what, possible turn. What did we what did we 10 million with the approval of our parents. <laughs> Can't
0: get your parents approval to
2: do why we porno. could talk to him and be like listen listen yeah, mom dad That's, oh please if no. i went to my parents and i said listen i'm being offered 10 million dollars to have a leaked sex tape my uh, my own mother would be like you have to do this this is life-changing <laughs> money do you know how hard my your father and i have worked to have this moment be uh, be presented to you Please,
0: uh, please bring this up to Ashley. I remember Kim Kardashian once saying that she's getting scared when her kids get old enough to Google her having a sex tape.
2: Yeah, I listen. I know it's not ideal for Dawson, but also I'm looking at Dawson right now, and buddy, like you're, do you do you know how many toys this will bring to you? Do you <sighs> your college tuition done paid for, buddy? Yeah, he'd have his ca- mm. he'd have a castle outside the backyard.
0: So so your
2: number is 10 million, huh? Well, that's what we said. Honestly, if somebody came up to us, first of all, nobody would come up to us and offer us $10 million. What would your number be? I bet
0: you by the end of this week, you'll have an offer for not 10 million, but you'll have an offer somewhere.
2: Well, dude, if I'll I'll let you know, if you see my hairy ass on the internet, you know, we got paid 10 mil. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, What would my number be? I bet you my number is around the same as yours. I think maybe a little higher. Uh, maybe just, you know, supply and demand, kind of scarcity principle, drive up the price as best I can. I think Kaylin would, wouldn't do it for a uh, hundred million dollars. I think she would say no to basically any price.
2: You're telling there is a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Do you want me to get her down here and ask? Yeah, 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 yeah. just ask her. I'm
0: just going to call her on the phone. I'll put her on speaker. Love it. A hundred. She,
2: a hundred. Yes.
0: Hey, I have a quick question for you. Should I come downstairs? No, 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 We can just do it over the phone here. Um, if we were to make a sex, how much money would it cost for us to get a sex tape leaked of us? Uh,
4: let's
0: say fifty million. Oh, Oh, fifty, I said 50 you million. All right. I said you wouldn't do it for less than hundred.
1: Hundred million
0: is what I meant. Yeah, hundred million. All right. Yeah. All right, so, so she would uh, do it. Fifty I'm million. I'm surprised. I, I'm surprised. Fifty million. I would say yes for fifty million. There's no question. It's just, uh, it's a little, I mean, obviously, it's, it's obviously a poor enough, so it, it kind of comes to the territory. I just kind of feel icky and vulnerable and like exposed.
2: Well, yeah, I'm only doing it for know, the money. Know, I'm not enjoying know. Uh, this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because, you know, half of it's gone. So we'd really be so five really like million. 19 million. Yeah, it have to be tw- a $20 million offer and then half gone.
0: All right, let me ask you this: uh, w- w- Would you do it for twenty million dollars, but you wouldn't get to keep any of the money? It would all go to uh, your favorite charity.
2: Oh come on, Dean! <laughs> he's now he's saying he's asking me that. Would I do it for twenty million dollars to charity? <laughs> <laughs> Ashley goes no.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I probably wouldn't do it either. Oh, uh, I got to, you know,
2: it. listen, so it is uh, like, <laughs> uh, oh God, but think of the kids. Think of the kids. $20 million to Hasbro. I don't know. We got to think about this. I probably would do it for $20 million. All right. Anyways, that's
0: going to do it for this week's episode. I am sorry for uh, rambling on and on and on. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. I'm so sorry for my absence for the past three weeks. A big thank you to Jared for covering my dead weight while I've been gone. I owe you three week vacation at this point. Um, yeah, maybe I'll take next week off. Who knows? Yeah, take as much time as you need, buddy. Yeah, and I'll go back to Hobby Lobby. Yeah, and Home Depot afterwards, too. Whew, uh, and thank day. you to the listeners, too. Sorry for not getting this episode up on Sunday. We are a day late, maybe two days late, depending on how bad Easton wants to work tonight. Um, but again, thank you so much for your patience and understanding and letting me take three weeks off. I really appreciate it. But we are going to be back on Thursday with some great callers, so stick tuned, stay tuned for that. Uh, in the meantime, maybe we'll suck a little bit less. Is that how I end these things? Yes. Be sure to tune in next week where maybe we suck just a little bit less. Thank you very much. Follow help by Suck at Dating on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts.
4: any disease.